The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good to see everybody today. Welcome to those of you who are watching online. If you're here in person, welcome. If you're watching online, welcome. Uh, even tuning in tonight, hopefully it's 6 p.m. Glad to have you with us today. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, man, it's been a great start to Daring Faith. We kicked it off last week here on Sunday morning. All of our life groups began meeting this past week. Over 35 different groups almost every day of the week. Um, it's just been, a, we had over, over 450 adults uh, in groups. And And uh, so it's just been a great start uh, to this new series, Daring Faith, uh, the Key to Miracles. Now, in the history of our church, there have been certain times where our church has faced a little bit of a crossroad, a, a turning point, if you will, where we've had the decision to either move forward, keep growing, keep reaching people for Jesus, or fall back in retreat. I think you know which camp I fall in. Now, I believe that we are facing one of those moments now as a church. I believe that God has been speaking and simply saying, Coastal, it's time. You know, it's time to uh, put into practice or put into practice what you say you believe. It's time to pull out all the stops and do whatever it takes to reach the next generation for Jesus, to continue to do that. However, I am waiting on you to step out in faith and to attempt something so big that you cannot do it on your own. Not so the watching world will say, wow, what a great church. No. So they will say, wow, what an amazing God they serve. What a great God. So, Coastal, in 42 days, on November the 10th, we are going to attempt to step out in faith, to dare to believe, and commit to give over a million dollars in order to expand and greatly renovate uh, our Coastal Kids Children's Building and greatly expand our fellowship and gathering space by connecting this building to that building um, and prepare our church for the next phase. Now, that little magazine that many of you got in the mail, we gave away here last week, uh, we've been talking about for the last several weeks, um, it spells out everything we are going to do in great, great detail. If you haven't picked up one of those magazines, a little Daring Faith magazine, please pick up one today uh, back there by the one sign to the right of that uh, on your way out. Now, the plain and simple truth is that if we are going to continue Uh, to grow, continue to reach the next generation for Jesus, children, families, students. Um, It's time to, to do something about it. Now, make no mistake about it, however. You know, we we are not attempting something great for God because, well, Pastor Chris has got a a big ego. You know, it's always been about buildings and, um, you know, I want to build a pretty new building. Listen, no, 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 not at all. It is time for us to go for it and to do something because God has spoken. And when God speaks, we obey. God wants his church to continue to reach the next generation for Jesus. And we believe he is saying, step out in faith. Dare to believe, attempt something so great that only I can do it and I will bless it. He is saying, you know what, Coastal, I have the resources. I am drawing people to myself now, but I will only draw people to myself at churches 
that walk by faith, at churches that, that trust me. I only bless and use people that, that dare to believe. Now again, if we just do what we can do, you know, it might be great. People might say, wow, what a great church, what great volunteers, what great leaders. You know, it might draw a crowd, but you do what only God can do through us. And I tell you what will happen. The community around us, the watching world will basically say, wow, man, what an awesome God. You know, I want him in my life. Not, well, you know, look at Pastor Chris. You know, he's a good leader. You know, he tells funny jokes. You know, come on, let's go check him out. No, 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 no. You know what we want people to say? Look at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. That church on Arlington Drive, you know what they do? They lift up Jesus. And I want to put my faith in him. I don't want to just, you know, attend there. I want to grow there. I want to serve there. I don't want to just, you know, sit in a chair. I want to bow my knee with those people at the feet of Jesus. And I believe that if together we dare to believe, God is going to continue to bless our church in so many ways. Our church is going to explode. So let's go for it. Let's do it together. You know, let, let's leave a legacy that will far outlast us. You know, to the next generation and the next generation. Let's be a part of something bigger than ourselves. You know, let's not be like so many people around us that will look back one day at all the missed opportunities and say, well, you know, I wish we would have. I wish we could have, should have. You say, well, Pastor Chris, you know what? That's going to take a miracle. You know what? You're right. It will. And I'm so glad you recognize that today. Because as we take our very first steps down this road, that's what I want us to talk about today. I want to talk about preparing for a miracle. You know, we're going to look at one of the most famous miracles of Jesus, uh, where Jesus fed more than 5,000 people with one little boy's lunch. Now, we, we know that it was more than 5,000 people because the Bible says there were 5,000 men. That means there could have been another 5,000 women, another 5,000 children. There could have been fifteen to 20,000 people that Jesus fed that day with one little boy's lunch. This miracle is so important that it's the only miracle other than the resurrection that is recorded in, 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 in all four Gospels in the Bible. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In other words, it's obvious that God wants us to know how to prepare for a miracle. Here's what I believe today. I know this to be the truth. Someday, you are going to need a miracle in your life. And some of you need one right now. Maybe you need a miracle in your marriage. Maybe you're here today, and I don't know your story, but you need a miracle in a relationship, in your finances, at your work. And at some point in your life, you are going to say, God, how can I get your help? God, I need a miracle. So you need this story. We need this story today as a church. And I think there's at least four principles here that teach us how we can cooperate with God as he wants to do a miracle in our lives. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, admit I have a need. Admit I have a need. Now, they're in this situation where there is this large, large crowd, and these people have gone all day long without food. It is the end of the day, 
It is a remote location. There's not fast food, you know, places all around, anything like that. And so the disciples come to Jesus and basically say, Jesus, we got a problem. Now, so the very first thing you've got to do is you've got to admit you've got a need. I think that's hard for us. For some of you in particular today, it's very difficult to admit you need help. Maybe that's because of your own insecurity. It might be because of pride. It might be because you've lived in denial for so long. You just can't admit it. You've got a problem. Let me ask you. You might even want to jot this down this morning. What is it in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your relationships, whatever, in your life that is a problem, but you just don't want to admit it? We usually do at least three things instead of admitting we have a problem. On your, on your outline, we procrastinate. That's the first thing we do. The Bible says, by this time it was late in the day. That's typical, isn't it? Just waiting to the last minute. I mean, we, we just put off whatever it is that we know we, not, we need to deal with. We pretend it doesn't exist. You know, we, we look the other way. I mean, you think about it. The disciples actually had all day long to talk about this. All day long to figure out what they were going to do and how they were going to feed these people. But they hadn't done anything. They just let the problem get, what? Worse. And we all know, right, from your homework, students, to your health, all of us, you know, you, we all know that what we put off, it just makes the problem worse. So instead of admitting we have a need, we procrastinate. The, the next thing we do is we pass the buck. We pass the buck. We blame others. We pretend, you know, it, it's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. It's not my problem. It's their problem. What did the disciples say? They said, send the people away. They didn't want to admit that it was their problem. You know what they were thinking? Well, we didn't ask these people to come and hear Jesus. You know, you know if they're hungry, let them go find their own food. It's not our problem, it's their problem. The next thing we do is we worry. I mean, the disciples' uh, anxiety goes into overdrive. They, they, they did a little cost analysis, and they said it would take a small fortune to buy food for all this crowd. What were they saying? It's impossible. I mean, I, I think about Peter, you know, knowing him and his personality, his, his mind was probably just churning. I mean, how are we going to transport all the food here? How are we going to keep it hot? Who's going to clean up the mess? Who's going to you know, take care of the liability insurance? Who's going to pull the permits? I mean, I mean and all these things, are, they're going crazy in their mind. And, and think about it. They're procrastinating. They're passing the buck. They're worrying about it. And listen to me. All the while, they are standing next to the one who turned water into wine, who turned stone into bread. There, he's right there. The answer was right there next to them. The answer was Jesus. And so the very first principle that we learn from this is this. God won't help you until you first admit you need help. God's not going to help you until you admit you need help. Until you admit there's a problem. Now, once you come clean, once you admit it, that you have a need, you're ready to go to the next step. Number two, assess what I have to work with. Assess what I have to work with. You realistically evaluate, okay, 
what resources do I have? You, you, you ask, you know, basic two questions. What have I got? What do I have? And how am I using it? What do I have and how am I using it? Now, that's exactly what Jesus did. Verse 38, Jesus' response to the disciples. How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said what? Five and two fish. Now, why in the world did Jesus do that? Why did he say that? Well, the second principle is this. God always starts with what I have when he wants to work a miracle. If God's going to work in a miracle in your life, he always, always starts with whatever it is you have. Now, let's be honest here today. It might not be much. You might not have much time, much energy, much money, not much resources, not much talent, but guess what? He always starts with what you have when he does a miracle. When the disciples come to Jesus with the problem, you know what he said? You feed them. You feed them. Now, it was not humanly, physically, or financially possible for them to do that. There's just no way that was going to happen. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked God to do something impossible in your life with what little you've got? With whatever little you've got. Now I think if you've been a Christian for any length of time, He has. God has asked you that. And you said, well... I don't have the time to do that. I don't have the energy. I don't have the money. I don't have the talent. You see, God so often asks us to do the impossible with what little we've got. Why? Because He wants to stretch your faith. Because He wants you to grow, to become like Jesus. Because He wants you to trust Him. John 6, 6, Jesus asked this, only to test them. Listen to this. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Isn't that interesting? In other words, Jesus basically already knew what he was going to do. He was just testing them. You see, when you're out there and you're sweating through that problem and you need a miracle, I mean, you need a miracle in your marriage, at work, in your finances, guess what? Jesus is not worrying about it. He already has a plan. Did you know that he saw the need in your life long before you did? And he's already figured out what the answer is. But I think so often he is waiting and he says, you know what? I'm going to wait on you to get concerned first. I'm going to wait on you to admit it. I'm going to wait on you to assess what you have. So you admit you have a need, you assess what you have to work with, and that leads us to number three. I give God what little I do have. I give God what little I have. My time, my money, my energy, my talents, whatever it is. The Bible tells us in the book of John that Andrew was the one who found the little boy who came to Jesus basically with this little sack lunch, okay? You know, think five little barley muffins and two sardines. Now, my guess is that somewhere in that crowd of like fifteen to 20,000 people, somebody had brought 
a bigger, better lunch. But this little boy becomes the hero of the story, not because he had the most food, not because he had the best food, but because he was the one who was willing to give it to Jesus. Did you hear that? He becomes the hero because he was the one who was willing to give it to Jesus. He basically said, I'll give what I've got. And he gives what little he had to Jesus. Verse 41, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Now, somehow, as he broke it, he kept breaking and breaking and breaking it. He kept feeding and feeding and feeding everyone. It was a miracle. It was a flat-out miracle. The third principle is this. God will use whatever it is I give him. God will use whatever I give him. In other words, if I give God my time, God's going to use it. If I, got, if I give God my money, God will use that. If I give God my talents, God will use them. If I give him my relationships, in other words, if I put him first in my relationships, my dreams, my hopes, my ambitions, whatever it is I give to God, you ready for this? He will take it, he will break it, he will bless it, and he will multiply it. He will. Listen, our God loves to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. And he wants to use you and you and me and our church in a miraculous way. Now, it's important to notice the kind of giving that sparks a miracle here. The little boy gave what he had willingly, cheerfully, and immediately. That's not on your outline. You might want to write that down. He gave willingly, cheerfully, and immediately. Willingly. Matthew tells us this little boy volunteers his lunch. Now, come on, let's be honest. If, if this was you, and you are the only one, you know, you know, the only kid in like 5,000, 15,000 people, you know, who had some food, would you give up your lunch? I'm not sure I would have done that. I'd be thinking what was best for me. You know what I would have been thinking? I've only got a little bit. I mean, maybe I'll feed the guy next to me, maybe. I mean, I'd be looking out for me. You know, there's no way I could feed everybody anyway. I'd want to protect what I've got. But he gave willingly. He also gave cheerfully. I mean, nowhere in Scripture do you see that he grumbled, complained, worried about it. He didn't say, well, if I give my lunch to Jesus, you know, what am I going to eat? You know, he didn't do that. He also did it immediately, evidently. As soon as there is a need, he did it without hesitation. And that's the kind of, of giving that produces a miracle. Whatever it is, whatever you've got, willingly, cheerfully, and immediately. Which leads us to this last principle. Expect God to multiply it. Expect God to multiply it. Whatever it is, talent, time, money. Look at verse 42. Everyone ate and had enough. Afterwards, they collected 12 basket full of 12 baskets full of what? Leftovers. Can you imagine this kid going home with, with all these leftovers? I mean, his mom's like, where did you steal all that food from? You know, they, she probably would have said, Hey, did you go to Coastal and they give you a to-go box? You know, like that's what we do around here. Um, you think his mom was, was surprised? I mean, the, the fourth principle is whenever I give. I always end up getting more back. 
Whenever I give, whatever it is, I always end up getting more back. In other words, when I give my time, God multiplies my time. When I give my money, God multiplies my money. When I give my talents, God multiplies my talents. When I give my energy, whatever it is, God is always going to make sure of this. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Now, what this story teaches us is this. You know, so often, while we're waiting for God to do something for us, God is waiting to do something through us, through you. You see, you're just sitting there begging and begging for a miracle for God to do something for you, and God is wanting to use you. He's wanting to do something through you. God likes to do miracles through people. That way, guess what happens? You get blessed. Your faith gets stretched. You grow up spiritually. You develop maturity. You become what God wants you to be. God likes to do miracles through people. As the pastor of this church, I, I see you know, where we're at right now, and I think to myself, you know what? We need a miracle. We do. We need a miracle. God has put us in this time, in this community, this church family, in the middle, literally, of thousands of spiritually what? Starving people. Hungry people. Guess who they are? They're your neighbors. They're your coworkers, where you live, work, and play. And you know what? They're looking. They're looking for anything. Anything to give them meaning and purpose in life. And, and today, people are trying therapy and pills and alcohol and relationships. And they're having affairs. They're taking drugs. They're developing hobbies. They're, they're just looking for anything and everything to fill that hole in their soul, to fill that emptiness. They are spiritually hungry. And it's late in the day. It's late in the day. And God has put us right in that situation. And do you know what I think he is telling this church, this church family? You ready for this? I hope you see it. You know what he's saying? You feed them. You feed them. You're here for a reason. But I believe that basically, in subtle ways, just like the disciples. An awful lot of Christians and sometimes even an awful lot of churches. You know what they've been saying? That's impossible. Too many people. We don't have the resources. We don't have the money. We don't have the staff. You know, there, there's no way we can do this. This is their problem. We didn't ask them to come here anyway to Charleston. Go back to Ohio, right? You know? Whatever. You know, I've heard some of you say that. Shame on you. Listen, but basically we're saying, you know what? There's no way we can do that. How can we feed everybody spiritually and take care of me and all of my needs and all the while? You know what I think God is saying to, to believers, to churches, to coastal? I'm waiting on to do a miracle through you. I have the resources. I'm drawing people to myself. What are you waiting on? You know what? We always benefit from the sacrifices of other people. You have so many things in your life that you take for granted um, that, that are here because somebody else sacrificed for them. And the same is true for our church. 
You know, today we benefit from the sacrifices of the people who are here before us. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. This church, the tangible stuff that we have, the tools that we have, the buildings that we own, you know, the property that we're on, the ministry, the life groups, the children's ministry, the student ministry. Guess what? It all didn't just happen. It happened because at a certain time, a certain group of people, guess what they did? They dared to believe. They stepped out in, in, in faith. They sacrificed. And so here's what I'm standing before you today and saying, now it's your turn. It's our turn. It's our time. Man, we get to give something back. It's our turn to, to be the pioneers, to leave a legacy, to be a part of something that's going to continue to outlast us and reach the next generation for Jesus. Listen, there's at least three purposes of this Daring Faith campaign that we find ourselves in. Number one, the first purpose of Daring Faith is to help people become like Jesus. To help people become like Jesus. You know what? Guess what? We're going to build that building. I mean, I, I know it. In, in many ways, I believe that's a done deal. But guess what? That's only secondary. Did you hear that? The building, the tools, only secondary. It's the journey. It's the journey of faith that is primary. It's walking by faith, step by step by step. That's what we do. And as we do that together, a couple of things are going to happen. People are going to be drawn to Jesus. People are going to be drawn to his family. And people will grow up in Christ. And that's what this church has always been about. And that's what we're called to do. The second purpose of this Daring Faith campaign is, and we said this a lot during, already, is to stretch your faith. It's to poke it, prod it, push it. It is to stretch your faith. Now, why do we want to do that? To make you uncomfortable, to make you uneasy or miserable? No. It's the theme verse of this whole series, Hebrews 11.6. It says this, without faith it is what? What's the next word? Impossible. It doesn't say possible. It doesn't say maybe, kind of. It says impossible. It is impossible to please God without faith. So we want to stretch your faith so that you will be pleasing to God. I want our church to be pleasing to God. I want our church to be known as that church that walks and talks by faith. Number three, the third purpose of this campaign is to teach Christ-like generosity. To teach Christ-like generosity is to become, if we are to become a spiritually mature church, then we have to continually be a generous church, a giving church, a sacrificial church. I want Coastal to be known as that. Because you cannot be like Jesus. And that's the goal, right? You cannot be like Jesus without learning to sacrifice. Without being a generous giver. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Listen to this. Just as you excel in everything else, and here it is right there, right off the bat, in faith, so just as you excel in everything else, in faith, in speech, in the words that come out of your mouth, in knowledge, in the way that you're growing and learning, in earnestness, determination, and even in love, and then what he says, see that you also excel in the grace of what? Giving. Now let me just say this. I am far, far more interested, doesn't even compare, in building disciples than I am in building buildings. I hope you know that. 
Listen, we were a portable church for 14 years without our own location, setting up and breaking down every single Sunday. We are far more into building disciples than in building buildings. I am, I'm far more interested in raising spiritual maturity than I am in raising funds. We've never been into buildings, into buildings. Buildings, technology, all of this stuff, they're simply tools. That's all they are, tools. We're into lives being changed. I'm into marriages being healed and restored. I'm into emotions being put back together, broken lives being put back together. And I believe that those are the end results of this church stepping out in faith. You know, one of the mottos of this campaign or any giving campaign we've ever been in, you're going to hear over and over again, is equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. Equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. That means that everybody can have a part. In fact, one of the keys to any successful campaign is that everyone who calls Coastal their home participates. Everyone. Because every gift matters. Every gift counts. Now, guess what? Obviously, we all can't give the same amount. But we can all sacrifice equally. And that's what we're calling everyone who calls this church their home to do. We're calling everyone to make a financial sacrifice, to give by faith. And for some people, a sacrifice might be one amount. It could be a very, very small amount. For others, that sacrifice might be a much, much larger amount. But it doesn't matter because it's not equal gifts. It's equal what? Sacrifice. Parents, this is a great opportunity for you to teach your kids how to be unselfish. You know, make sure today you pick up uh, an offering bank. And you get them to help, you know, putting their change in so they can feel a part. Pick up the coloring book. You know, go through that with them. You see, what we are doing at Coastal, what we are beginning with this Daring Faith campaign, the truth is, it's not for me, it's really not for you, it's for your children and their children. They're still going to be reaching people for Jesus long after we're gone because of what we're pioneering today. So, let me bottom line it for you. On November the 10th, Sunday, November the 10th, we're asking everybody who calls Coastal their home to bring in a one-time sacrificial offering plus a three-year commitment above and beyond your regular giving to reach these goals. And all of that is spelled out in great detail in that magazine. In other words, we're asking everybody to prayerfully, creatively come up with as much money as you can in 42 days and make a three-year giving commitment above and beyond your regular giving. And again, in that magazine, we kind of encourage you to how, to, how to figure that out, how to come up with, how to be creative. You know, uh, 20 years ago, we did our very first giving campaign. I shared this story in some of our meetings uh, over the last month. You know how Pastor Chris decided to creatively come up with money? You know, I, I'm not very gifted and talented. My wife has a lot of skill sets. She can bake things and make things. I don't have a lot. You know what I decided to do? I gave blood. I sold my blood. I sold plasma. So I'm not telling you you got to do that. You know what we're doing this time? We're selling all of our kids' stuff they've left at our house. All of it. It's all gone. <laughs> Facebook Marketplace. Going to be my friend. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited about being a part of this Daring Faith campaign. 
In fact, it's the same excitement that I felt over 29 years ago starting this church. Why? Because it's always the adventure of being a part of something that you can't yet physically see. But you know that God is doing. Coastal, I have that same feeling today. God is up to something. He is moving. He is speaking. It is as real to me as though I can reach out and touch God's hand. And I just think it's as though he's waiting on all of us to reach out to him. And so the essence of everything we hope to do is to see God do a miracle in our midst. Just like the feeding of the 5,000. And so... We're kind of laying the foundation for future ministries here at Coastal for years and years to come. I'm believing God for a miracle. I'm looking forward to uh, Miracle Sunday. November the 10th is Commitment Sunday when we turn in our offering and our commitment cards. But Miracle Sunday is November the 17th. And that's when I stand up here and I announce to you what God did in our midst. Now, what can you expect to see during this time? What can you expect to experience? Four things that I guarantee are going to happen in your life. Number one, you can expect to see miracles. There there are going to be some flat-out, no-explanation miracles that take place in the next 40 days when people give and walk by faith. Some of you are going to get promotions. Some of you are going to have unexpected windfalls. Some of you are going to have unknown income come in. There are going to be emotional, physical, relational, spiritual healing in the lives of our people. Because God does miracles when people walk by faith. Number two, you can expect to grow spiritually. You're going to grow up over the next 40 days. In fact, beginning next Sunday, I actually want you to start writing down maybe on your Connect card, maybe on our Facebook page, uh, on social media, how God is moving in your life and how this campaign, this Daring Faith series is helping you to grow up spiritually. Number three, I hate to tell you, but it's the truth. You can expect to be hassled by Satan. You can expect to be hassled by Satan. You know what? Satan hates coastal. He hates this church. He doesn't want our church to grow. He doesn't want our church to walk by faith. And he's going to hassle you any way he can. The Bible says it. Expect it. And then finally, number four, you can expect to experience joy. In the next 40 days, this church is going to get happy. It always happens when people uh, grow and give by faith. Thanks and giving go together. So what are we asking you to do? What's your part? There are three ways you can be a part of this. Number one, begin praying and fasting. Begin praying and fasting. Pray for your church. Pray for me. Pray for one another. Pray for God to speak to you, to stretch you, to increase your faith. And then, between tomorrow, tomorrow, Monday, Monday the 30th, and Friday, November the 8th, for 40 days, we're asking you to fast something. We began signing people up for this last Sunday. Uh, We have over 175 people 
that is committed to participate in this. The principle of fasting is to deny yourself something physically so you can focus yourself spiritually. Maybe for you it's eating out, fasting sodas or caffeine or social media. But find something that you can give up physically that will focus yourself spiritually. In fact, today you can join with us on your Connect card. On the back it says, I will participate in the 40-day Daring Faith Fast starting Monday, tomorrow, September the 30th. And if you sign up for that, once a week during the fast, we as a staff will send you a little note of encouragement. The second thing we're asking you to do is to take time to read that Daring Faith magazine I've talked about. It really does explain in great detail what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're going to do it, what your part is. Again, pick up one today. You can pick up uh, your uh, magazine. You can pick up the offering jar in the back of the auditorium. And if you have any questions about any of that, don't hesitate to come and ask. And then finally, number three, just participate fully. Participate fully. What do I mean by that? Well, don't miss out on Sunday for the next six weeks. We're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about miracles, adventure, risk, trusting God. Join a life group. Like I said, we had over 453 people sign up for a life group. You can still sign up today. The actual study portion, uh, the study portion begins this week. Sign up on your Connect card at the Life Group table uh, from our website. And then we're asking everybody to please read your daily devotional. A daily devotional that we're providing. That devotional is located in your Life Group study guide that you either got this week, Life Group Sunday, or you might have picked up one last week. If you're here today and and for some reason you can't make it to a Life Group, you can pick up one today on the back table. We would love to give you one. The daily devotional and the fast begins tomorrow tomorrow. Listen, it is going to be an unbelievable season of growth here at Coastal. Commitment Sunday, November the 10th, is going to be awesome. You're not going to want to miss it. And then the following Sunday, we're going to party. November the 17th, we're going to announce and celebrate what God did, and this church is going to explode in worship. And of course, to celebrate, we're going to tailgate outside and uh, give you a lot of food. And uh, somehow God's going to break it, bless it, and multiply it. We're going to have plenty. Um, Listen, it's time. It's time to trust God and walk by faith. What miracle do you need today? Listen, stop worrying about it. Stop blaming other people, expecting somebody else to do it. Coastal here at this church, we get to leave a legacy. We get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves that's going to continue to reach people for generations to come. I believe that God has set the challenge before us. And now it's our choice. Are you with me? Are you with me? Will you dare to believe? What about you this morning? You know, the greatest miracle that you need in your life, that you have in your life, the greatest need is salvation. Is a personal relationship with God. Look at that outline for a second. Admit you have a need. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Assess what you have. Guess what? Before God, compared to Him, you've got nothing. You come before him with nothing, just just yourself. In fact, that's the next step. You give it all to God. You give it all to God. 
It's just that one step of faith. And if you will do that, he will bless you. He will forgive you. He will give you eternal life. He will multiply your blessings more than you could ever dare to ask or imagine. But you've got to come to him. Are you ready for a miracle? He'll do it. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I thank you for your word. And I thank you that, that Jesus never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you are still the God of miracles. Father, I pray that the people in this room, the people who are watching, that whatever it is that's going on in their life, that they would just admit it. Admit they have a need. They would take an honest assessment of what, what's available to them, what, what they have. And whatever it is, even if it's very, very little, they would give it all to you. And God, I know that when we do that, you will bless, you will multiply many, many, many fold. And if you're here today and you have never received the greatest miracle of all, the, the miracle of forgiveness, the miracle of eternal life, the miracle of a relationship with God, just come to him right here and right now. Just admit it. God, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I have messed up. I have blown it. I admit it. And God, in fact, I come to you empty-handed. I have nothing, nothing compared to who you are and what you've done. But today, God, I give it all. I humbly give you myself. I bow before your throne, and I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior and to be my Lord. I believe. I believe he is your son. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose from the dead and he is alive. And I put my faith and my trust in him. And now, God, for the rest of my days, I just want to follow him. I want to become more and more like you see me today, your forgiven child, forever a part of your family. And Father, I pray for this church that we would continually walk by faith. You have placed us in a time, in a community that needs to be fed. Father, use us. Use us. We dare to believe. Thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal, or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.